but it is RJ LA family. I am Angela Birdsong, your conversation piece host on Radio Justice LA Morning Wake Up Call at radiojustice.org for something new or unusual to talk about for stimulating conversation for you on the bus, train, plane, or simply at the water cooler or in Cubicle Nation. Today, my guest is Minister Shay Givens of I Can Fly International. Minister Givens stands against female genital mutilation and forced child marriages. She finds being a voice for girls who face adversity every day of their lives is a priceless honor. Her organization, I Can Fly International, main objective is preventing the continuation of injustice against women, girls, and boys within developing regions of the world, particularly in East Africa. I am Angela Birdsong, and you are listening to Conversation Piece on RadioJustice.org. Back to school, I was really okay, and I thank God because now I'm okay, I'm healthy, and I, I also thank Madam Givens because she really loves me and she takes care of me. Oh, again, I love you, Dainande. I love you, Dainande. I love you, Dainande. Let's all give education to a girl child because it is very important and a girl child and a boy are always equal. You just heard the voice of one of the many young ladies Rebecca Nabala, one of the many children helped and given an opportunity to learn in a formal school setting who would normally be excluded from educational opportunities due to poverty and traditional abuses. Since 2005, I Can Fly International assisted hundreds of women and children in their plight against early marriages, female genital mutilation, sexual abuse, child labor, tribal war, abandonment, illiteracy, and extreme poverty. Founded by Minister Shay Givens, led by her vision of the world free of abuse, oppression, and crimes committed against defenseless children and youth, her weapon is education. Minister Shay Givens, welcome to Conversation Peace. Hi, Angela. Hi. I feel like I know you so well. That is so cool. Yes. <laughs> and the way I, you know, of course, you know the story, but I want to let the Conversation Peace family know that I was at Faithful Central Bible Church one Sunday. Of course, everybody goes there expecting to hear Bishop preach. But Bishop wasn't there. There was a guest speaker. I didn't run. I stayed. Because <laughs> I know you asked me, you're like, you, you didn't run? No, I didn't run. I stayed. There you were telling the story, mm -hmm. your story, about how God moved you to save these girls in Kenya. And there is, I, I know I'm, I'm cutting real short to it. But we know that we are going to share the actual story, the Shay Given story, in a couple of weeks. And that's going to be a special treat for, for everyone. But right now, we're going to talk about the I Can Fly International. And we're going to talk about you guys' mission, your vision, and the work that you do. On your site, I saw that you had a statement that said, I am a girl. I am powerful. <laughs> yeah. Right. How does I am a girl, I am powerful fits in with the mission and the vision and the work that you guys do with I Can Fly International? Well, first of all, I've met so many young girls in Kenya and I've even uh, met others in other parts of the world who believe that they're powerless they feel like whatever cards they've been dealt in life, that's the, that's the book they have to read. That's the life they have to live. And so by teaching girls to repeat those words, 
over and over and over again. I am a girl. Yes. I am powerful. When you start speaking certain things, it begins to resonate in you. And so when I put that on the site, I wanted that to be the first thing that people see. If you're a woman, you say, I am a woman. I am powerful. So that means you don't always have to be a victim. You are a survivor. You are powerful. And so the vision, the, the, what, what is the vision of I Can Fly International? Well, the vision is to uplift young girls and women who have gone through human rights abuses and violations and to offer them an education. Because in many third world countries, education is seen as a way out of poverty. It is a way out of um, atrocities that are absolutely inconceivable for some of us in the United States. And so our vision is to give women and girls an alternative to abuse. And that alternative is education. Your weapon. Your weapon. Yes. And your mission. Your mission is your... Because I know some companies, the mission and the vision sort of intersect or overlapped. Is there a difference in your mission compared to your vision? Uh, a little bit. Like, for instance, our mission is to provide life-changing um, services and opportunities through education to rescue children who live in impoverished villages around the world. Uh, our vision is to rescue children and women until all people are free. Right. So it's basically about uh, allowing people to understand that there is freedom after bondage. And so my whole uh, premise for being in Kenya and helping women is to give them freedom because a lot of them are in situations where they are bound up by sexual abuse, by forced marriages, by female genital mutilation, and I want them to realize that they don't have to be in bondage anymore. Right. Now, how did you get to Kenya? I know the story because right. I was at church that day. Right. But right. the Radio Justice family, they uh-huh. need to know, how did you get to Kenya, your, 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 your first missionary trip to Kenya? And, and also, where are you from? Right. Well, first, I'm from Los Angeles. Uh, I often make people laugh because I say I'm the little black girl from Crenshaw and Vernon in the Crenshaw district of Los Angeles. Yes. uh, Which is uh, widely known around the world uh, for being a very historic and cultural community. And so I came from uh, this community thinking I was going to be an actress or a congresswoman. You know, that was my dream. And so one day, uh, my mom's church took a youth group to Kenya, and I had never been anywhere outside of Mexico. So <laughs> I said, why not? And so I went on this trip, and I thought it'd be a great experience. And there we were. We were feeding people. Uh, we were teaching people the Bible. And then I started meeting women who were as young as 18 and as old as 85 years old, who never learned how to read and write. And that just blew me away. And I'm going, what do you mean you never learned how to read and write? There, there are schools not too far from here. And they said, well, in our community, we were told that there was no reason for a woman to be educated. There was no purpose because she wouldn't do anything with the alphabet. And I said, they told you what? <laughs> I said, come on, girlfriends, come come sit over here. Right. Let, let, let me talk to you for a minute. And uh, they were so interested in learning. And every time that I spoke, they would try to memorize my speeches because that was the only way they could capture words. And so I said, something's got to be done. Uh, I never thought I would be the one to do it. Um, Because when I went back to my hotel room that night, I literally couldn't sleep. I had an unrest in my spirit and in my heart. And I I, I started thinking, uh, you know, I could hear the voice of God. You want me to do what? 
open a school. And so not long after, with like $5 in my bank account, and uh, what do you call those people that call your house? Bill collectors calling. Uh, I had a vision to start an adult literacy center for women. And lo and behold, with that $5 and those bill collectors calling my house, we started a free program with volunteers. And it grew from 15 women to 300 women. And you have 15 women. They came. They were the first yes, students. They were the first students. 15 women came, uh, no shoes on their feet, uh, walking in 100-degree weather. Uh, it, was, it was quite humbling to see it grow. And so I was just thinking, well, I have this little program. Uh, it was operating in a church, and I'll send $5 a week through Western Union, and that'll be my, uh, my good service, my humanitarian work. Right. And so uh, it started small, but it began to grow into what it is today. How did the word spread? Oh, let me tell you something about the Af- some African uh, villages. People talk. So everyone knew there was this American who was in town and she wanted to teach the ladies how to read. And so they said, oh, and it's free. You see, in many in many countries, especially on the continent of Africa, in different settings, education is not free. The people have to pay to go to school. And so that's another reason why the families choose to educate a boy instead of a girl because the boy is considered to be more profitable because he can give back the girl will eventually get married so there's no point of you putting money investing in an education if she's not going to do anything with it okay so this is the mindset and so uh when the people found out there was a free program people came running and it just grew and it grew and it grew. And then when there was a drought, uh, we started feeding people uh, each month. Um, their cattle would die. The water dried up. And so we started feeding people. We would feed a, maybe a thousand people a month. Right. And uh, more people wanted to come because they knew there wasn't only education, but there was food so people could feed their families. And so I just assumed it was going to be a little program. And I was running it from Los Angeles, going back and forth. And it just continued to grow. Now, where in Kenya are we, are we talking we about? We are an hour and a half outside of Nairobi. Okay. We are in, we're east of Nairobi in a little town called Machakos. And Machakos, in Kenya, there are 42 tribes. And the tribe in this particular area is called the Kumba tribe. And so many people live in the city. But then uh, lots of people live in the villages, in hills. And when you go to the hills, uh, you're talking about just major poverty, uh, drought, lack of education. There are no roads, water, electricity, plumbing. Uh, people live very basic lives and food is always an issue in that area and so that's where I went um to Machacos and I kind of fell in love with it yeah and so Machacos Machacos is an hour and And a a half half east east of of Nairobi Nairobi. and Nairobi's the capital where you have tall buildings and the airplanes land there from all over the world everyone comes it's a great place and um, some parts of it looks like downtown Manhattan. Absolutely beautiful. But if you walk three blocks, north, south, east, or west, you can see slums and poverty that is unimaginable. Right. And even more so in the rural area. Correct. Where there's no policing. Correct. No enforcing of, of, of laws. Correct. How long did you stay there that first time? Oh, that first time I was only there for a couple of weeks. We and, did a and, lot. And, and, and you did do a we lot. We did a lot in a couple of weeks. And I came back to L.A. And my life was changed. I couldn't get the pictures out of my head. I, I remembered their voices. 
I could I could smell the aromas of the towns. And uh, what was so interesting, and I don't want to spend too much time on this, but when I got off of the plane and I smelled the air, uh, people said, what was that like? And I say, it smelled like home. I, I went, yes. And it smelled like home. And I didn't understand it. But now I do because that's my home. That's your home. Yes. Machacos. Machacos, Kenya. Kenya. Yeah. Right. That's mm-hmm. home for you. That's home. And the literacy, is the literacy program still happening there? I, I, knew, I know it has grown to other things, and we'll get to that. So. The literacy program um, had to dissolve as we grew, mm-hmm. and we educated over 400 ladies. We decided at some point it was time for them to graduate so that we can put our resources into the next generation. You are listening to Conversation Peace with guest Minister Shay Givens of I Can Fly International, whose organization provides quality education, rescue programs, shelter and meals for women and children who face adversity every day of their lives. Learn and join the movement at ICanFlyInternational.org. million girls worldwide are out of school. One girl can change a whole village. We are here with Minister Shay Givens as she is telling us of her journey to building the I Can Fly International Organization that has been providing education, food, housing, care, and later we get into the rescue missions. Also, now you have the literacy program that you started in 2005. Yes. And now your vision is growing to open a high school. Yes. What, well, how did that happen? It was interesting because the, the people we were serving through the literacy program, they came to me one day and they said, our kids need help. And I said, what do you mean? They said, well, we can't afford to pay school fees. We're poor. And we can't send our kids to school most of the time, to high school. And I said, what do you mean you can't send your kids to school? And that's when they broke down the whole system of how they have to pay sometimes $400 a year um, for school fees. And these are people who make less than a dollar a day because they're unemployed. And I'm going, okay, that's why there's this big divide between rich and poor. And they said, could you help our children? Could you open a high school? And I basically said, no. I said, that's a lot of work. And I'm not an educator, quote unquote. So I I, I would say no. But I felt a tug in my spirit that the Lord wanted me to do something for the, the, the younger generation. And I said, okay, fine. And so we opened this high school. And we, we we had a building because the women practiced and studied in this four-classroom facility. So after they graduated uh, in January 2008, we opened the high school. And the first girl that showed up uh, was a child slave. She was working in a home for no wages. She was working there for free. And her parents sent her to work for a family for free because it was less mouth, one less mouth to feed. And so uh, she stayed there for about two years and she heard about our school. 
and said, asked if she could be released and go to school for free. And they released her. And so as the pioneer, she was a pioneer for, for the first I Can Fly High School. I knew something amazing was happening, that that type of child would be the first student. And so there were others that came with stories like that. And so the high school went, went really well. Um, we didn't have a lot. We struggled uh, a lot. Sometimes there was no water and the kids couldn't drink. Um, it was really hard and I started to doubt myself if I had made the right decision to start this high school. And so, you know, the teachers would leave because they weren't being paid. And so something in me just kept saying, uh, keep going. And so I kept going even though everyone was basically leaving. And so finally, um, it was 2009. It's one year later, and the school is still hanging in there. And um, I read a story in the newspaper. Uh, it's called The Daily Nation in Kenya. And I read a story about a 10-year-old girl who gets married off to a 55-year-old man. Right, and we have that clip. So, conversation piece, here's the clip of what Shay Givens is speaking of when she read that newspaper about the 10-year-old girl who was given to a 55-year-old man in marriage. We'll be right back after this clip. I never heard of anything like it because the central part of Kenya, where I work, our tribe doesn't practice this type of activity. So I'm reading the story, and I find out in this crazy story that after the man gave the cow and his $40 cash, there was a nurse in the story. Follow me. The nurse decides she's going to kidnap the 10-year-old girl back from the 55-year-old man and rescue her. So I took a big sigh. I read further. I found out once the girl was taken, the man is angry. He's upset. He goes in and he says, I want my cow back and my $40 cash because someone stole my bride. So the parents said, well, sir, we can't give you your cow back and we can't give you your cash. So what, what we'll do is we'll make a deal. We will give you the six-year-old sister in exchange for the 10-year-old. And the story ends. Story ended. So at this point, I'm sitting on the sofa and I'm livid and I'm crying and I'm angry and I'm trying to figure out why is this happening? Why did they practice this heinous culture of little girls being raped? Then I find out before he married them, they had to go through female genital mutilation. Because if she's not mutilated, she is considered unmarriageable. She is less of a woman. She's less of a person. She's not a good girl. And I wept. Welcome back to Conversation Peace. That was just a smidget of your story that you told at Faithful Central Bible Church that geared you to your next move and another need to be fulfilled. And that was rescuing the girls and, and the start of the butterfly house. After, after reading, reading that newspaper and you began to wept, what did you what did you do now? you know so so you you begin to wept but what's happening in Kenya at this time is the the school is the is the I can fly high school is it flourishing at this point or what's what's happening in Kenya because you got this next move that's getting ready to happen right the school was struggling okay the school was struggling and i was even considering closing it because i at the time, I was struggling with my self-esteem. And was this something I was even called to? 
because I was I was thinking we didn't even have books. We didn't even have water. We couldn't even pay teachers. So who am I to think that I'm qualified to do this? I didn't feel that I had the credentials to do it. And so I was thinking about shutting it down. And so the school was struggling. And we were hanging on by a thread, literally. And so the teachers would borrow books from teachers at other schools. We would get them photocopied. And all they could do, because the kids didn't have books in our school, they would just read from a photocopied paper. And I started saying, Lord, I'm not qualified to do this. And I would give up at 12 o'clock midnight. And I kid you not, I would wake up the next morning and something in me would say, keep going. People were laughing. What kind of school doesn't have books? What type of school has teachers walk off or they don't show up because they haven't been paid and they have no food themselves? And so the school was literally struggling. And I was here in America just trying to get whatever funds that I could to keep it open. And so after I'm reading this article, everything kind of changed. Right. And so, you know, there I was reading about the 10-year-old that eventually gets rescued after the man pays $40 cash and a cow for his bride. And I'm going, okay, this is bananas. I had never heard of anything like this in my life. You know, tribal traditions are very powerful. And every tribe practices their own activities, their own culture, their own food, their own way of life. I'd never heard of this before. And so after the 10-year-old gets rescued by a nurse in the article... Well, the man, of course, wants his cow back. He, he, he didn't get to keep his bride. But instead of the family giving him his goods back, they offered him the six-year-old baby sister. And so I just started crying. And I started asking God. I looked up at the ceiling, and I'm going, how can you allow this? Why would you... Make innocent girls, children, be subjected to a life they didn't choose. Why are you being so unfair? And what are you going to do about it? And I could hear those, <laughs> the words answer back. What are you going to do? And every excuse came into my mind. Every excuse. Well, I'm I'm a woman. Uh, I'm young. Um, I'm not Oprah Winfrey, Bill Gates, Angelina Jolie, Brad Pitt. I went down the list of names of people that I'm not. I I, I don't have money. I'm not rich. And as I began to think more about those girls, I knew. Something had to be done. And I kept thinking, well, if I were six and I was married to a man and I'm being sexually abused, would I want someone to come and get me at any cost? And the answer was yes. And so I said, well, if I have to be that person, then that's what I will do. And I went on a mission to figure out how to start doing rescues in a foreign country. And there came the Butterfly House. Yes. Right. Now, before we get to the Butterfly House, I, I saw on your, on your website that this school that was struggling and underperforming and had no, <laughs> no books and no water for the babies, <laughs> that... That recently, recently, that you guys have are positioned number 18 out of 80 schools in that sub-county of Kenya. 
Let me let me take it even a little further. Okay. Uh, four years ago, and I get I get teary eyed when I think about it. Um, we were number sixty three out of eighty three schools in the Machacos school district, and so I felt like was I not good enough? And I'm just being honest with you. Yes. I don't feel that way now. But that's how I felt then. And in 2016, we received a call that we were number seven out of 83 schools in the school district. Praise God. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Yes. That's that's simply amazing. Yes. So you went from number 63 uh-huh. to 18 to now number 7. We went from number 63 to number 42. Number 42 to number 25. Number 25 to number 18. And number 18 to school number 7 in the school district. And how about before number 63 it was 0? Yeah, it was probably because it was there. There, there was right, there was no right, school. Exactly, there was no exactly, school. Exactly. Right. Exactly. How many children have come through that school? Oh my gosh! Today? I feel so bad. I don't have all the numbers. Um, it may be around uh, for high school. It may be around four hundred. Four hundred. Yeah. Four hundred lives changed. Correct. Yes. Right. And, and on, you know, because the the the, the quotes that, that that I've been saying, I'm pulling them from your website where where you say one girl can change a whole village. So you got 400 children. Yes. That are changing villages, yes. transforming families. Yes. Because you also because I, I know I know we're going to we're going to spend some significant time about the butterfly house and the issues that led to the butterfly house. But before we get there, I want I want to make sure everybody knows that you did not forget the boys and no. the young men. No. Because that's why I was able to say families are being transformed. Correct. Because you're 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 empowering the girls mm. and now you're reaching for the boys. And now they they got they got husbands and wives <laughs> mm-hmm. to 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 choose from mm-hmm. to be able to have healthy families right. to have healthy lives mm-hmm. and and that's the legacy that you are you are leave, leaving in Machacos yes. Kenya yes now what are what are, so what are you doing for the boys what happened I received a call one day that there was a boy. Who had made straight A's in in what do you call it primary school elementary school and he wanted to go to high school but he didn't have money but he was a straight A student and the principal said the boy smells like pee because he sleeps in a barn okay with cows and goats and chickens and so they go to the bathroom on him or near him. So he would go to school smelling like the farm and the other children would make fun of him. But he still managed to be number one in his class and make straight A's. And his dream was to be an engineer and just go to school. And I heard that story about that boy. And I'm I'm a champion for the underdog. I believe in being a voice for people who don't have one or don't have the platform to have one. And so I said, I want that boy. I want that boy. And at the time, we didn't have the facilities for boys. And so the boy ended up going to a someone else sponsored him, which I was very happy. Someone sponsored him at another school. But I said, I don't ever want to hear a story about a boy like that, and I don't have a place to keep him. And so we built a little 10 by 10 size room behind the kitchen at our school. And we we brought triple-decker beds, and we put 
those beds in there and we just took as many boys as we could that were like that same boy and we called the program the Eagles program and so the boys came and I started teaching them the power of an eagle and what that looks like and they all embraced it and they have just been um, amazing figureheads for the boys at our program and at our school the eagles yes so we got the eagles we have the butterflies yes. the scholars and we have the little butterflies also yes right now <laughs> now before okay before we get into the you know the little butterflies and and the scholars let's get back to the beginnings of the butterflies house because the butterfly house is what these other programs were offshoot from. Mm -hmm. You read the newspaper, the 10 year old has been exchanged for $40 in the cow. The nurse kidnaps her back. They give the man, the six year old daughter. Mm -hmm. And I know the story doesn't end there. <laughs> Not by a long shot. It's still being written while we're sitting here talking. There are things happening right now, I can tell you, where our story is still being written. So after the six-year-old was taken, I said, enough. And I'm not the most, I'm not the bravest person in the world. You know, I'm one of those people, you might, you know, knock me over in the grocery store and I won't say anything. You know, I'll just let it slide. But there's certain things when I want to fight. And when I, when I read the story about the six-year-old that got married to that 55-year-old man, I was ready to fight. Something in me rose up and I said, enough. And I didn't know what I was going to do. I, I, I didn't have a clue. Because this is a different part of Kenya. And like I said, there are 42 tribes. I didn't know anything about this tribe. I didn't know the language. I didn't know the customs. I knew this custom, which was negative. I didn't know the positive ones. So I was a little confused. Um, so I just said, let me wait. Let me hear from God. Let me get some direction. And I began to pray and ask the Lord, okay, what do I do? I hear nothing. And I'm going to church and they're talking about, God will give you the answers you need. Pray and trust the Lord. And I was like, okay, I'm not hearing anything. So I said, fine. You don't want to talk to me? I'll take action in my own hands. So I joined an organization called Women in Film on Wilshire Boulevard here in L.A. And to make a long story short, I end up meeting two Kenyan women as a result of my membership. And within maybe a week or so, these women connected me to the nurse from the newspaper article in Kenya who rescued the 10-year-old girl. It was a very divine uh, spiritual experience how everything came full circle. And so I meet the rescuer from the article. She and I became friends. And she's in Kenya. I'm in L.A. And I was telling her I wanted to help. She says, well, what are you going to do? I said, well, I don't know, but I want to do something. And she started to tell me stories about girls who were hiding out different places across her county. And they needed support. They needed hiding places. They needed education. They needed food. She says, well, can you help? And I said, well, no, I, I'm the founder of a struggling school. <laughs> Where there's no food, I don't know what I can do. And maybe three months or so later, um, I'm driving up the street in Los Angeles, not far from my house, uh, well, my mom's house. I ended up um, leaving my, my, my apartment, leaving all my belongings, and uh, taking up space at my parents' house so that all of my resources could go to Kenya. I just said, okay. I have food, I have clothes, I have a car that runs every now and then. They need more than I need right now. And so I was staying at my parents' home, and I, I was, you know, driving down the street at a stoplight, and I see two butterflies on the trunk of my car flying around. Yes. Which was quite strange. 
And then I pull up into my mom's driveway uh, at our house. And she has this like garden and these bushes she doesn't trim very often. And there are all these butterflies flying around the porch. And there may be about 10 or 12, 15, I don't remember exactly. And I thought it was strange. And so I, I felt like the Lord was trying to tell me something. You know, you get those moments like, okay, something's going on here. What's the message? And I sat on the sofa and I heard the Lord. I heard the voice of God. It was very audible. He speaks in different ways. But that time, it was audible. And he said, you will build a house called the Butterfly House. And little girls from all over East Africa will come. And you will feed them and you will nurture them. You will guide them. You will educate them. And they will be victims of female genital mutilation, early marriage, child labor, tribal wars, extreme poverty, and orphans. And I went, ooh, that's real deep. Are you sure you have the right person? Silence. So I started to figure out, okay, I have to build butterfly house. What does that look like? What size is it? What 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 style is it? What what how much does a butterfly house even cost? I didn't have a clue what I was doing. And so I said, "Okay." He went silent. The big man upstairs tells me to build a house and I don't know how to do that. And so after a series of events, I went to banks, I went to organizations, businesses, churches, asking people to help me build a house for little girls I had never met. We're going to get into the issues that leads to rescuing these young girls. Child marriage and female genital mutilation. Now, child, child marriage, I'm sure no one in the United States thinks about those things until we turn on the TV and we're watching Law and Order Special Victims Unit. Mm. But this is happening and has been happening within worldwide mm. in different rural areas because these are the traditions of different villages. I understand that you know, I'm pu I'm pulling information from from your site. Mm -hmm. <laughs> <laughs> and you know, and I keep saying your site. So let me just let people know right now. If you go to icanflyinternational.org, icanflyinternational.org, you'll be able to see some of these um quotes that I'm reading and statistics that I'm sharing. In the sub-Saharan Africa, your site says 40% of girls marry before the age of 18. Mm -hmm. And African countries account for 15 of the 20 countries with the highest rates of child marriage. Mm -hmm. I know when you went to Kenya mm -hmm. in 2005, that was the furthest thing from your mind mm -hmm. was the impoverishment of the, of, of the town, of the village. Right. The or and the resiliency of the women, right? And now you're seeing babies mm -hmm. getting married by grown men, and you know, and you it's documented because you read it in the newspaper, right? And 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 not just because you read in the newspaper, but you read in the newspaper, met the lady who the nurse who rescued the yes. girls through to other Kenyan women from a film club that you joined mm -hmm. and now all of you guys are all together and you, and you find out there's even more girls than those two that need to be rescued. Yes. I didn't know. I didn't know how big this was. I really did not I, you know, I just heard build a butterfly house. Then when I started meeting uh, the rescuer, the nurse, and she started telling me stories. Uh, she belongs to a tribe called the Samburu tribes, which that tribe is related to the Maasai, which is a very popular uh, tribe in Kenya, well known all over the world. 
and she starts telling me about all these girls. She says, yeah, girls get married off all the time. Uh, most of the time it happens right before a girl goes to high school. Because when she finishes the 8th grade, the parents can't afford to send the girl to high school. So what they do, they say, well, you're in the 8th grade. It's time for you to go through female genital mutilation. And then you're going to go through female genital mutilation. We're going to find you a good husband. And what does good husband mean? That means the more cows and cash he can offer makes him a suitable mate for her. So the family is looking for, you know, someone who can offer the highest price. And sometimes it happens when they're younger than the 8th grade. If a family feels like they need money at, the, at a certain time, or if a man comes along and says, hey, I like your daughter, I can give you A, B, C, or D. They will allow her to marry when she's 8, 9, 10, or 11, depending on the circumstances. But the trend is 8th grade. 8th grade. And so every year around November or December, we are in crisis mode. Because that's when the mutilation ceremonies happen. Why then? Uh, because graduation is in November for 8th graders. So she's, she graduates. It's time for her to go through the cut. And so many times girls will run away. Um, many times you'll hear, oh, there's a ceremony. Blah, 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 blah. And then my team and I have to figure out what we're going to do. What does your team consist of? <laughs> it changes. It changes. Uh, I work alongside a couple of people, project manager at our, at our facility. We have a principal. But we also have joint alliances with other rescuers around the country. And so we have rescuers in different areas around the country who have churches they have other organizations and when we get a call that there's a certain girl that needs help and then i'll say well okay let me give you an example this was a very difficult week for me um i shed a few tears i got a call that there's an 11 year old in an area called magori kenya and so this girl is an orphan she has no mom no dad and so her uncle takes care of her. So her uncle gets drunk at a local bar. And he didn't have money to pay his tab. So the bar owner says, you have to pay me some money or we're going to hurt you. He says, I don't have any money right now, but I can offer you my niece, who is an 11-year-old virgin. And if you take her, can that, um, what do you call it, erase the debt or whatever, and the man says, sure. He took the girl as his third wife. She's 11. And the principal came to our facility and said, can you help? We said, of course we can help. So we went looking for the girl. He is taking her far away because he's heard, you know, some folks are looking for her. And um, so we kind of lost her. And she's pregnant. And he's HIV positive. And so it's, it's part of my team and I, our responsibility to put together a plan to find this girl as quickly as possible and get her away from this situation because her life is in danger. And when you get her, or when you have gotten others, where do you go then? Uh, what we do is we put them in school. So we have girls who are now um, part of the I Can Fly High School. Um, what ended up happening, and I'll kind of uh, rewind a little bit, we ended up building the Butterfly House. The Butterfly House became a reality after lots of struggle and prayer. Uh, we were able to complete the first house in 2012. And many girls came. And our whole point of this program is to rescue, then educate. 
So every girl we rescue, we put her through like a rehabilitation program. And that involves education, counseling, and enrichment. Empowerment is the goal for her to believe she's powerful no matter what happened to her, no matter how young she was. It's not your fault. And that you can rise above this. That's what we teach our students. I'm just speechless. I'm mm -hmm. speechless. Yeah. Thank you for the work mm -hmm. that you do. Thank you for being obedient to the call on your life mm -hmm. that, that is saving other lives. Right now, the ones that, that you... How, what's the longest amount of time it took to, to, find, to find a girl? The longest time it took, uh, sometimes it takes weeks. And we've lost them. Like the 11-year-old that we spent this week working on her case. Um, I was pretty down the last couple of days because we lost her. And I don't right. like losing anyone. I feel like it is my calling to find them and to keep them safe at any cost. And then I had to realize, okay, you know, every now and then you might lose one. But you keep going. And who's to say we won't follow up in six months and find her someplace else back in her village. And then we can grab her again. There's always hope. Right, right. Because that goes back to the quote that I just said. Uh -huh. When the world says give up. And I can't imagine... Anybody telling you to give up on, you know, okay, I, of course, those who participate in child marriages and, and in female genital mutilation, of course, they will tell you, this is what we do, stop, give up. But the rest of the world, I, I you know, we, we wouldn't say give up. But I also know that we're not saying give up, but you're saying join the action, join the movement. Yes. Let's stand together. Yes. And so tell us, how can we help? Well, I would love for people to go to the website, ICanFlyInternational.org. We need people to donate. We need people to volunteer. We need people to tell other people these stories that this is happening, that is exists. Uh, Angela, one of the biggest things people ask me all the time, they go, I can't believe this is happening. I thought this was from like 200 years ago. I, I didn't know this was still happening. I'm like, honey, this is very much well and live. And it's happening. And it's real. Um, can I tell you a story real quick? Yes. Blew me away. So one of our students was in the United States, um, November 2017. Her name is Rebecca Nabala. You mentioned her. She is a survivor of female genital mutilation. Uh, the doctor, the cutter, excuse me, cut her veins, her vagina. She almost bled to death. Well, she survived. She's a student at our school. So she's traveling around the country with me. We're telling our stories. Which Stop. country? Uh, the United States. United States, okay. So she got a visa to come here in November 2017. And uh, some of the girls at the high school, we went to several high schools here in Los Angeles. And uh, 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 one of the girls asked her, uh, Rebecca, would you like to move to the United States? Don't you love our country? And Rebecca looks at the girl in her eyes. She said, no. You have a beautiful country but I don't want to live in your country because I love my country. My country is a beautiful place. And when I go back, I want to be a rescuer and I want to build butterfly houses. I almost hit the floor and I said, got it. This thing is a movement. It's alive. It's generational. 
And so the purpose of people getting involved is so that this can keep going. And the more people hear about it, the more funds we raise, the more people that volunteer, the more lives that can be changed. The 6th of February is the International Day of Zero Tolerance for Female Genital Mutilation, a day to raise awareness of the practice and to work towards its elimination. On the International Day of Zero Tolerance for Female Genital Mutilation, you will hear Minister Shea Gibbons give her personal story of having faith beyond your imagination, her detailed journey of faded aspiring dreams to being a voice for the voiceless and building hope for the hopeless and the butterfly house. Minister Givens, thank you for the work that you do and for telling the story because I am one of those people who didn't think about this at all. Mm -hmm. This was nowhere in my mind or in my spheres of influence until I came and sat in the congregation at Faithful Bible Church. Only because my alarm went off. I, right. I, didn't, I didn't catch my alarm. <laughs> I would have been at my church. Right. And I would have missed knowing about female genital mutilation, mm -hmm. FGM. Mm -hmm. And I would have missed out on knowing about the Butterfly House and the literacy program. Now, I, I do have one, one last question for you. I was reading that that female genital mutilation has come into the United States also. Yes. And are you involved in that part also? Or what, what, what does that look like here in the U.S.? Well, what has happened, because we're a melting pot and we have so many diverse cultures that come here and we all kind of blend together in this country, um, you have people who come and they bring their culture with them. And so even though female genital mutilation is outlawed here in the United States, there are people who have come and they want to have their daughters go through it. And so they've, there was a story in Michigan um, not long ago where there was a doctor who tried to perform uh, FGM, female genital mutilation, on a client. And so she was busted and arrested, or I believe it's, I don't want to misquote the article, it's still under investigation. And so I read that and I said, wow, in America. Then I said, wait a minute, why am I surprised? People don't want to give up their culture, even if it could kill them. And they just brought it here and they were um, apprehended, which is a good thing. Yes. Um, and so it's happening everywhere. And people need to be aware of it so that we can stop it. Whether it's in your own backyard or in another country, we can stop it. Yes, we can stop it. Join the movement at ICanFlyInternational.org and visit them on Facebook at ICanFlyInternational. To replay, revisit, and review any of my previous shows, please go to radiojustice.org and click on Conversation Piece. Thank you again to my Conversation Piece guest, Minister Shay Givens of I Can Fly International. Thank you to Leslie Rafford, the brain, the superpower behind RJLA, Adam Rice, program coordinator and engineer, Michael Washington of M. Wash Soul for the opening and closing theme song, and always you, our RJLA family. Reach us on Radio Justice Facebook. Give us some love. Give us some likes. And as you listen to us worldwide, anytime on RadioJustice.org. I'm Angela Birdsong once again. Thank you for allowing me to share this special experience of Conversation Peace on Radio Justice LA Morning Wake Up Call with you. Remember to be on guard, stand firm in the faith, be brave, 
Be courageous and let all that you do be done with love.